I'm doing a, a, a two-week series starting today, this week and next week. Uh, and I'm going to do some of it in morning and some of it in the evening to sort of trick you to come to the evening if you're in Mandela Bay. But, of course, you can get it online. Um, and then after that, uh, I'm going to go on a little apostolic journey. It sounds so heavy. But um, I'm going to go visit Cape Town and be there for two Sundays. And then I'm going to visit Jeffreys Bay and dedicate the building there. And not long after that, I'll be in Kericha, also Utenaik. So I'm quite looking forward to that. Go support our pastors and our churches there. Well, I've titled this message, um, Some Assembly Required. Some Assembly Required. I don't know if you've ever bought something that came in a box, and you needed to assemble it. The instruction on most of those manuals starts with some assembly required. I recently bought something where the author of the little uh, guide clearly assumes you're not going to read it. And so it was just full of jokes. And <laughs> in fact, if you, if you want to go look at it, I, I should have brought it with, but it's actually a recycled form of um, fireplace wood made out of chipboard or something. It comes in little cylinders, you see. And the instruction on it is all about like, you know, don't leave me in the rain. Don't be silly. You're probably going to leave me in the rain anyway and come and read this and think we're silly, but you're silly. Anyway, go check it out. Some assembly required. The idea there being that everything you need for the product you are hoping for is there. It's just not in the format you need it yet. And right there, there should be scope for a sermon. Just there, you must think, ah. So perhaps it's wise for us to say, spiritually speaking, that everything we need for what we need it, for when we need it, is available somewhere. It is simply not in the format in which you need it yet. And that means there's a process, an opportunity, a responsibility to work at it, to produce out of it what it needs to be. Some people, I've often said this, would like perhaps their marriage to change. And I've counseled so many people who would say, I, this, this, this marriage hasn't worked out. Maybe I, I, I married the wrong person. I need to find a new person to marry. Or you could become a new person in that marriage and that would make it a new marriage and then you would be in a new marriage, says the guy not married. I know, I know, I get it, I get it. Neither was Jesus, eh? I'm just leaving it here. But we're following him into parenting, marriage, old age. He didn't do any of that. He created it all. Hey, the guy who wrote the manual. Okay, going too deep. Ephesians chapter. Have you ever heard the phrase strong as an? Strong as an ox. We're going to need that phrase in a moment. Ephesians 6 tells us that even our spiritual weaponry, our ability to make change happen in our lives must be assembled. It says, finally be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power put on the armor of God, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark, 
world and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, put on, assemble, collate, put together the full armor of God, full armor, not some of it. Some people like to specialize in one form of armor. And while you're using the sword, sometimes incorrectly, you've left your shoes behind and you're going nowhere, but you're going angry. Or sometimes you've only got a shield, you're polishing the shield, you're impressed with the shield. It's a mirror, you see yourself in the mirror, but you've got no sword, so the enemy comes He's not impressed. With, so all of it, all of it. So when the devil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and having done everything to stand. This passage of Scripture suggests we have all the weapons, but you've got to put it together. You need to put an ensemble together, a dress code, if you will, of spiritual weaponry. A lot of people fail to build their own spiritual ecosystem, their own spiritual fashion. Now, people are different in their fashion tastes, aren't they? Some people are loud. Some people are current. Some people are quiet. Some people are predictable. Some people are monochromatic. And some people are like that spiritually, loud, out there in tongues, anointing their cars with olive oil, which is now as expensive as fuel. Anointing, <laughs> they're loud. It's okay. It's their fashion. And you're going to see in a minute that a wise person in building the ensemble of their faith, if you're quiet, keep a loud person nearby. Because when you don't have words for your enemy, your talkative friend is going to pray the devil away. Don't join a church that's only just like you. You know you need people a little different to you because when the one falls, the other is able to pick them up. Some assembly required. You know, the idea that we have to put things together in a functional way is our responsibility and it's a product of our maturity. Years and years ago, I... Um, I remember visiting some friends who may be in the service now. They, 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 they were one of the elders who appointed me to be a pastor. And um, for those of you in North End, we're meeting our kingdom investors, whoever is around after the service. And it's good news. Things are picking up and we, we want to appoint some leaders, some business people to take care of the kingdom investor responsibility. And we're starting to raise leadership teams in different areas in our church. And I went to this person's house and they painted all their walls very light gray. And I said to them, you, you really should put a splash of color somewhere, you know. I grew up in the era where every room needed a feature wall. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And then we started going crazy. We had the African bedroom and the Asian bedroom. Never been to Asia haven't gone past the Van Staden's River, even in Africa, but we got masks in one room and fans in the other room and whatever. And he just said, no, you know, he said, you just keep the canvas simple and you bring in the color through the decorations and things. Now, as I get well into my 40s, I think, well, that was actually a smart move. Keep the canvas simple and then bring the pop into the decoration. And sometimes our faith, don't make it complicated, keep it simple and then bring the pop where you need the pop. And I just want to encourage you, that was almost capable here. I want to encourage you to build an attitude of assembly. 
Stop leaving it up to other people to decide how your life will work. And stop waiting for the Lord to mysteriously, while you're sleeping, put it together. He sent you an ingredient box. Cook. Cook something. Psalm 139 is one of those very powerful psalms. A lot of them are, but this one has had a big impact on Christianity. Even uh, the darkness, Psalm 139 verse 12, will, will not be too dark to you. The psalmist is talking to God. Even the darkness will not be too dark uh, to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my innermost being. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. There's something really significant about the psalm. The obvious is that God is involved in my very being. But the verse before suggests something very important. Do you remember in Genesis, the world was without form and void and darkness covered it. And then God said, let there be light and there was light. The psalmist is poetically drawing the parallel that the God who was involved in creating the world is as intimately and directly involved in creating you. That the darkness of the womb is not too dark for him because as he said, let there be light in the waters of the world, he's saying, let there be light in the waters of of the womb, and has he knitted together the planet to work perfectly in the same level of creativity he knitted you to, to function perfectly. It's, it's really powerful because it suggests assembly. I always thought, you know, God sent my spirit to my mother and then waited until I turned 16 when I got born again. He's like, ah, there you are. He popped out. I'm pleased. I thought that's sort of the level of his involvement. But actually, he knitted. That's a very personal thing that. He knitted me together in my mother's womb. A little bit of humanity started getting stitched with a little bit of spirituality. And as the, as the cells multiplied, the spirit multiplied. And God in the womb assembling spirit, soul, and body. And you know, you, you can't separate those things. People sometimes want to separate them. We are a spirit, we have a soul, we live in a body, but you know, they're all connected in a very powerful way. Let me give you an example. Have you ever felt sad and it affected your body? For instance, if you were sad, maybe you got hungry. Maybe you were one of those people who, who eats emotionally. You know what I mean? You don't have to put your hand up, it's okay. This is not that kind of confessional. Or maybe you felt great joy, you fell in love with something and your energy levels shot up. You know, when you weren't in love, bedtime was 8 p.m. Now you're in love, 10 p.m., you're still chatting. Hello, how are you? How was your day? Fine. I saw you an hour ago. I know a lot happened in the last hour. <clears throat> I was to drive home. That's where you should be going home. Uh, how was the drive? <laughs> I was a drive home, great, thanks. The street lights were all working, great, great. Love, it, it's sort of, so it's, and all the people in love are like, yeah. <laughs> the, the truth is something that can happen in your soul can impact your body. But something that can happen in your spirit can impact your soul. Your feelings come right, which impacts your body. And therefore, salvation is both of the spirit 
and of the soul and of the body. He is able to heal. He is able to heal. If it works for you on human level, why would it not work for God on a spiritual level? You know, you could get salvation in your spirit and wholeness come in your spirit and affect your body. I'm not going to make it taller, but it'll certainly, but you could break free from some of that stuff that binds you, your addictions that you think are some sort of a craving of the flesh. Christ will just put that to the cross and he'll put healing in your spirit and your spirit will reject the language of your body. Your body has a language, your soul has a language, but your spirit will reject it and speak a more powerful language over it all. And so we talk about being strong like an ox um, is the phrase. But today I want to talk to you about what it looks like in assembling your life, that we should start with the first most important part, to be yoked to the Lord. Yoked. So here's a bit of farming lingo, or I guess um, Webster's Dictionary definition. If you don't know, two oxen, is that the right term? Two oxen together are called a yoke. And several couples of oxen are called a team of oxen. How's your team? See, I should be yoked with the Lord and team up with a tribe. Then I am a strong as an ox. You see, an unyoked ox is just a thing in the field. Just munching away. Sipping that good coffee there at the father's house. Got to slip that into that song somehow. Just an ox on a field. It has every capability of plowing, of bearing burdens, of carrying, of moving. It has all that capability. It's just not going to do it until it's yoked. And you can stand there and rebuke it or command it all you want. You can stand there and say, in the name of Jesus, my finances will come right. Well, it's not going to until you yoke yourself to the Lord. You see? Because the one who you yoke yourself to then guides you in your direction. So when I'm yoked, that's that wooden thing that they put over oxen. You see, it gives them a sense of direction. That wooden thing is connected to a plow. So if you want to be strong as an ox, you've got to be yoked in the correct way and then let the, Jesus hold the, 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 the reins of the plow and never look back, says Matthew. He looks back, it's not fit to be my disciple and plow the field. And as you plow the field of finances, you produce and you go, I'm as strong as an ox. My finances are strong. Do, do you see what I mean? The way you assemble a spiritual life, in fact, any kind of life, is that you should start with the most important component. Yoke yourself unto the Lord. There's even a bit of humor in the Bible. I'm convinced this next verse was put there just for humor, at least the way I read it. Do not plow with an ox and a donkey yoked together. I want you to take a moment and just picture that. You know what a donkey is and you know what an ox is. Does it look like we're going to get anywhere? I don't think so. There you've got 
a big ox on a moaning donkey. Now the ox must drag this. You know, some people, their choices of yoking, it's an ox and a chicken. I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's any old farm animal you can think of. Ah, uh, there's some spirit of laughter here and I'm, I'm very concerned that it won't stop and then there will be a problem. You, you know what I'm doing uh, because you know I'm coming for you. You know as funny as Deuteronomy is, I'm gonna take you to Corinthians. You know it's coming and do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. You know that you are involving yourself with chickens and donkeys when you should be involving yourself with oxen. You know I'm coming for you. <laughs> you know, it's not helpful. I'm sorry, that was too soon. But time is running out, I must get to the point. There is a yoking. A yoke is uncomfortable and inconvenient, but it gets the ox off the field and onto a purpose. I want to encourage you to be careful in assembling your life spiritually, which must rest in your your hands, not, not God's hands. He sent you the flat pack with all that you need as you assemble it together, that you are yoked to the Lord. It's important that we maintain a spiritual sense of yoking first before we do anything else. Before you make commitments to other things, make commitments spiritually. Matthew 11 says, come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you for, uh, upon you, and learn from me for I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Jesus says very clearly, you need to let me yoke you into my journey and then you'll learn from me And then you'll discover that's the easier way to learn and then you'll find rest for your soul. Do you know why you're not resting? You're yoked to things that are not good to your soul. Now you've got to get get unyoked from that and you've got to get connected to Christ. Is that a... the, 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 The choir missed the moment because I said to them, this is still the choir section if you sit here. But thank you. Um, it's always a, a, a great joy to the preacher when the anointing uh, starts from the back and comes forward. That's a clear sign of the work of the Lord. You need uh, to be strong. You need to be yoked spiritually and you need support systems. Now, not only yoked, but a team, a team of oxen, a team of oxen. Uh, a, a few things were uh, a great blessing. I know there was also burden during the pandemic, but there were some blessings. One of the blessings uh, that came out of the pandemic for me personally and for Father's House is that every time somebody bumps into me now in town, they say, she's doing a good job at Father's House. Where did you find all these great leaders? Speaking of our team our pastors, the young up-and-coming leaders, the graduates of MBAs and the the Mike Colliers and and the Vincents, and I'm going to forget somebody, no doubt I'm going to get into trouble today. It's just Dean in the back there responding to the chats. Uh, So many, so people literally would be saying, you know, now I know know you're doing a good job. It's those people you're raising around you. Well, let me be completely vulnerable and honest with you. 
I am the least efficient of the entire team. The team takes me where I think God has called me. And your team, your team is taking you somewhere. Will you find yourself someday going, wait, I didn't plan to land up here. Well, the rest of the team you assembled around your life was going there. You are the unfortunate victim of somebody else's destiny. Never be that. I think of our our team like Israel in Cape Town, our team like Anthony and Matt in Utenag, Kericha and Lloyd, who said to me today, I want to preach in my church for the next three weeks. We've got this new building. And and so he's preaching in his church. I told him, turn the screen off if you don't need it and preach by all means, because it's a team and you need a team. And I hope you'll, you'll, you'll be yoked to the Lord and then the two of you uh, will be yoked to your marriage partner and then around you, you will have a team of oxen and then, and then, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Uh, uh, there's no doubt in my mind. There it is, 2 Corinthians 6.14. We've sort of already addressed it. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers uh, for what do, does righteousness and weakness have in common? Uh, or what fellowship can light have with darkness? You know, it just isn't a good fit. It makes you wonder why in the Old Testament, the first offering is the offering of an ox. Lord, whatever occupied the space reserved for you, I put on an altar to make space on the yoke for my Lord and Savior. And every year, I sacrifice the ox to remind me that that ox is just a placeholder for a redeemer. And that's, by the way, this is totally for free. That's, by the way, why? I don't know why I make that joke. That is, by the way, why the Lord said, never offer a paralyzed ox. Because it's a placeholder for me. You never want to offer an animal to the Lord that the Lord himself must lean over and go, what is it? You know? It had to be... How do you assemble a team? Well, the Bible tells us a couple of things that are very important about building or assembling a spiritual ecosystem. First of all, the Bible says that you should build with people whom you are willing to do two things with. Share the work and share the wealth. Look at what Ecclesiastes chapter 4 says. I love this passage of Scripture. It's from the Message Translation, but all the others have been from a proper Bible so far. It's better to have a partner than go it alone. Share the work, share the wealth. And if one falls down, the other helps. But if there's no one to help, that's tough. That's a powerful passage of Scripture. And let me tell you, it, it, it is, of course, uh, it goes on in Ecclesiastes' hand, a three-chord strand is unbreakable, the three being you and the partner and Christ 
holding it all together. But what he's saying is you won't enjoy your wealth, nor will you enjoy your warfare if you do it alone. So you win at everything and get everything you wanted, even more than you hoped for, but alone. This passage of Scripture says it won't mean much. It means much more when I fight an enemy with someone and I share the victory with someone. Have people you want to share a victory with. I keep wanting to walk around. I've got to remember I'm on camera. Um, have somebody in your life you want to win with and fight with. Some people, they want to fight with some people. They don't want to win with them. They want to win alone. They call on everybody to the fight and then block everybody for the spoils. Oh, Lord. That's another sermon. That's tonight. Tonight, we are going to bring the fire. I'm sorry. I don't know why I said that. Secondly, Stand in a circle, not in a queue. You see, if you stand in a queue, you wonder if the person in front of you got the same deal as you. And you wonder how much you can get before the person behind you takes it. But if you stand in a circle, you say, what's mine is yours and yours is mine. And I look you in the eye and I have you and you have me. And we are a team. Now it came to pass in those days, Luke chapter 6 says, that he went out uh, out to the mountaintop to pray and continued all night in prayer, Jesus, to God. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself and from them he chose 12 whom he also named apostles. Do you know, stop spending all night praying about bad stuff, sad stuff and broken stuff. You want to spend a night in prayer, Spend a night praying about what your team will look like and come out of your all nights of prayer ready with a strategy. I know who my people are. I know what my plan is. I know what my purpose is. That's what I spent a sleepless night fighting for. I'm not spending sleepless nights fighting for dead things. You know, so many times I spend, I wish I could tell a younger version of myself, stop worrying about that. And start warfaring for that. Amen. I want to encourage you, stand in a circle uh, rather than in a queue. Jesus spent all night praying. Only did it two or three times in his whole ministry. One of the other times was when he spent the night praying before his crucifixion. And one of the other times was, who's his team? And you know, he had a lot of diverse people in the team. Uh, For a little while there, Judas made it too. So now, now, I'm just being, I'm just responding to some of the Facebook comments on what people would like me to preach about. Thank you so much for responding to that. I've never had so many people respond with so much passion. I'm convinced that some keyboards were broken during the typing of the thing. And maybe I'll go and live stream something on some of those and and we'll do some seminars on some of those. But let me tell you, don't make your team look like you. That would be surplus to requirements. Make your team look better than better than you. And finally, when you're talking about yoking together, stay free. You know, in life, things want to attach themselves to you all the time. I have um, very uh, evil 
ants at home. Now, somebody wrote on my Facebook, I love your preaching, except about the rats and the birds. Now we're going to add the ants. I have evil ants. They are large red ants. If I stand too long, they find me. And they, I'm assuming they have, they have figured that I'm of an appropriate size to carry off and store somewhere. So now I am very well prepared. I have a white powdery substance called Blue Death. Yeah, you guys know about Blue Death. I sprinkle where I go. Camera, I'm sorry. I sprinkle where I go. I sprinkle where I go. There's no attaching. Uh, Galatians 5 says, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm. Do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. You need to sprinkle in prayer before you walk. Don't let people, things, don't let things attach themselves. You're getting, you're going to be weighed down by things that were not given to you by God and that will be a burden. And I want to encourage you, you are free, just stay free. Just stay free free. There's a temptation for things to burden us, to hold us down, or to put us into bondage, a yoke of slavery. See, it's also a yoke. It's a connection. A yoke of slavery says, wherever the slave goes, I go. But I want to tell you today, that that is not the plan of the Lord. I want to encourage you today that God has set you free don't be enslaved again in a yoke. I don't let people enslave me in their thing. I don't let circumstances enslave me. I don't let politics enslave me because that means where it goes, you go. No, I'm walking above that, seated with Christ in heavenly places. I am assembling my life my way as I am led by the Spirit of God. And I won't allow somebody else to assemble the function of my life. I won't do that. I won't do that. So I want to encourage you today, if you're going to assemble knit together as God knitted you, you're going to knit together God's plan for you, then you've got to start by being yoked to the Lord. And then you've got to have a team. And when you start there, something starts to change. And as we navigate this conversation over the next couple of weeks, I want you to have the confidence that you are strong and you have all that you need. You just need to learn how to put it together. Amen. Let's stand together to pray wherever you are. If you're, if you're watching online and you're able to stand without it being awkward, um, please would you do that? I think that'd be awesome. My prayer is going to be that we be yoked to the Lord and nothing else occupies that place and that we will not be yoked to a yoke of slavery. So Lord, this morning we thank you. Today we thank you for the power of your name. We thank you that you have adequately, sufficiently, and abundantly supplied all that we need. We find it in Christ, in the work of the Spirit, in the Word of God. We pray that you'll teach us to assemble 
wisely. Like wise master builders, building with gold, silver, and precious stones, not with cheap material, but good quality material. This idea of knitting something together, yoking appropriately, a building team biblically. Would you teach us that our lives should be a sharing of the work and a sharing of the wealth, that there's joy in that. And when we do that, we find our perfect fulfillment and perfect peace in who you designed us to be. We pray, Lord, that as we navigate this conversation, you will overflow us with the abundance of strength and of strategy and of spiritual wisdom. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, would you give God a shout of praise and worship?